Previously on I Hear Dead People. And why'd you leave? I mean, academia seems like a sweet gig. Money, prestige, stability. Boredom. Is life not a thousand times too short for us to bore ourselves? I take it you don't get invited to many Christmas parties. Don't get me started. The very word Christianity is a misunderstanding. (laughs) At bottom, there was only one Christian, and he died on the cross. And so we should aspire to what then? The creation of heaven on earth? A stable and permanent reality? Perfection? Utopia? And whose vision is this perfect vision of the future? Ah, yes, your so-called crisis of meaning, which I praise, by the way. It is a moment of the deepest self-reflection of humanity. Now, whether you recover from it, whether you become masters of this crisis and create new forms of guidance for living, is a question of your strength. And I knew I am. I am what I am. The experiencer is the experienced. And it means looking at things which one takes for granted yes. and suddenly seeing that they're very, very odd. How do you keep your center when everybody around you is losing theirs? And the thing that you call yourself to which things happen is just something that happens. <laughs> So, what'd you think? That interview affected me in a way that I haven't fully processed. Hmm. But one thing is absolutely clear, if anything can be absolutely clear with Nietzsche. The guy is passionate about life. You could probably sum up his philosophy with a Bob Dylan line. He not busy being born is busy dying. You're right about him. And I hear you. Each moment is a new possibility. And if we're not living an authentic life and making the most of it, then our conditioning is living us. That's exactly right. But I couldn't get him to describe what living that way looks like in practice. You heard him. He's not concerned with what people do. That's their unique bridge to cross. He's interested in how they do it, their state of mind and traits of character, which spring from their inner nature and push them towards excellence. Right. The will to power. But it's still a bit vague and confusing. Like, for example, he said, he who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. And so where does that why come from? Well, that's not exactly what he said. He said, if we have our own why of life, we shall get along with almost any how. I think a lot of people have misinterpreted what he meant. It's not a why to live or aim for, an ultimate purpose or goal. It's a unique inner why. In fact, in The Will to Power, Nietzsche wrote, all purposes, aims, and meaning are only modes of expression. So you're not seeking or trying to achieve anything. You're expressing your authentic self. Right. Your philosophy, which is your why, extends past your various circumstances, your job and relationships, to your very way of being in the world. When that becomes your primary driving force, then the what and how are simply vehicles or modes of expression. 
And I suppose that's why you'd embrace whatever happens in life, anxieties, disappointments, struggles, since in Nietzsche's own words, it's your perpetual process of self-mastery, of becoming who you are. Or, as Aristotle wrote, happiness is to live in harmony with one's daimon. Happiness, joy, and peace is our inner essence, the biological nature of our being. <laughs> we don't move towards it with some why. We come alive from it and express it in our way of being. Which makes me wonder about Nietzsche writing himself into some philosophy-induced nervous breakdown. Who the hell knows? Did Nietzsche believe in a daimon? If by daimon you mean an otherworldly spirit of some kind, absolutely not. But if you mean an innate, natural intelligence, absolutely. And I think that natural way of looking at life is why Nietzsche values suffering and struggle so much. He wrote that you should examine the lives of the best and most fruitful people and ask yourself whether a tree that is supposed to grow to a proud height can do so without bad weather and storms. And that's not simply a conjecture. I read that scientists involved in the Biosphere 2 project, the world's largest enclosed ecological system, discovered that trees need wind in order to grow strong. It strengthens their root systems in something called stress wood, kind of like resistance exercise strengthens muscles and bones. And this isn't simply about the physical. It was also recently discovered that domesticated animals like cows, pigs, and cats have smaller brains than their wild counterparts. <laughs> and now let this sink in. Breeds that tolerate more interaction with humans have smaller brains than those that live more independent lives. Jeez. Well, I often feel my brain getting smaller when I interact with humans, especially on social media. Anyway, that reminds me of something. Earlier, we pointed out that the great mythologist Joseph Campbell was influenced by Nietzsche. I want to read you a couple short passages from Campbell and get your reaction, especially as it relates to Nietzsche's idea that pain and suffering is a powerful motivational force and therefore a critical source of value, and that it should be welcomed by people seeking to live fully. Let's hear it. All right. So he wrote, the first step to the knowledge of the wonder and mystery of life is the recognition of the monstrous nature of the earthly human realm, as well as its glory. The realization that this is just how it is, and that it cannot and will not be changed. Those who think they know how the universe could have been, had they created it, without pain, without sorrow, without time, without death, are unfit for illumination. Okay, and here's one more. This excerpt is from one of his film's lectures. We're in a free fall into nature. We don't know where we're going. Things are changing so fast. And always when you're going through a long tunnel, anxiety comes along. And all you have to do to transform your hell into a paradise is to turn your fall into a voluntary act. It's a very interesting shift of perspective, and that's all it is joyful participation in the sorrows, and everything changes. So, what do you think? That's amor fati, loving your fate. Haven't you ever looked back at your life and discovered that without your greatest stress and suffering, whether disappointments, losses, or failures, you wouldn't be the person you are today? But you just couldn't see it happening at that time. 
Pain and suffering are intrinsic to all forms of birth and creation. So look at whatever comes your way in life and see it as something for you, a lesson, a challenge, a change in direction, an opportunity for your inner spirit to grow and to shine. Hmm. Nietzsche wanted us to question our assumptions about how we live our lives and to do something that makes it better, more meaningful, more adventurous. Right. I'm not sure why he comes to mind, but it makes me think of Muhammad Ali, the most beloved man in the history of boxing. Here was a guy who suffered extreme racial discrimination, someone who was willing to fight for what he believed in, and who was stripped of his heavyweight title and banned from boxing because of his resistance to the Vietnam War. Ali was an often maligned free spirit and a courageous participant in a vicious sport, and yet he was joyful and playful both inside and outside of the ring. In my mind, that's the way Nietzsche wants us to live. He wants our lives to be peaceful, playful struggles, and for us to live creatively in harmony with the sufferings of life. To make our own lives like pieces of art, and to do it consciously, with excellence, and with style. You know, I read something from the great civil rights writer, James Baldwin, and it sounds a lot like something Nietzsche would say. It reads... I do not mean to be sentimental about suffering, but people who cannot suffer can never grow up, can never discover who they are. Let's assume that's true. Help me understand what's wrong with hope during difficult times of growth and discovery. Because during the interview, Nietzsche said that hope, and I quote, is the worst of all evils because it prolongs the torments of man. Hope for what? To achieve something or become someone? Your goal is your way of being. You don't need hope for that, do you? Well, look, hope is a double-edged sword, like compassion. It can be a great strength when it moves us to come alive and participate fully in life, suffering and all. And it can be our greatest weakness when instead of living passionately and courageously, fully accepting who and where we are right now, we hope for some better day in the future when we finally can. Mm. It doesn't matter what it is. Hope, journaling, meditation, stoicism. If it squares with reality and it helps you get through the temporary extremes of life and puts you in a receptive state that allows you to benefit from the opportunities that you are presented with in that reality, if it breathes freedom and inspiration into you, then I'm sure Nietzsche would agree with it. But If it is used as a way to comfort yourself and remain passive and compliant, then hell no. Well, I could go on all afternoon trying to understand Nietzsche's ideas, but unfortunately, we're coming to the end of this episode. So do you have an interesting fact to share with our listeners? I do. Believe it or not, Nietzsche's philosophy and his idea of the Ubermensch was the inspiration behind the comic book hero, Superman. Although the original character, which was conceived in a 1933 short story, was portrayed as a power-hungry villain. (laughs) Looks like Superman's creators misunderstood Nietzsche's philosophies as well. You know, I doubt they even tried to understand him. You're probably right. 